Hello, this is Ian Harper welcoming you to Business of Weather podcast, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to extreme weather and climate change, flooding and poor air quality. In each episode, we'll investigate the increasing impact of extreme weather and climate change on business and society, and look at how weather technology and climate information services can help address the growing challenges. We'll also spotlight the new opportunities for entrepreneurs and business startups seeking to develop the business potential of technology innovations to help those affected by extreme weather. That's the sound of the New York Stock Exchange bell marking the debut of a newly listed company. But if you're working on a weather-related technology innovation, how can you turn it into a successful business? When it comes to funding, there are various formal and informal networks that bring would-be entrepreneurs face-to-face with financiers, be they investors, lenders, grant organisations or, bang up-to-date, crowdfunders. Perhaps more fundamentally, though, how can you be sure that there's actually a demand or requirement for your innovation? One problem is that few financiers know the first thing about the weather, or how weather technologies and data services can assist weather-affected businesses. You'll have to explain this to them, and the critical ingredient will be your business plan. This will require a clear understanding of who your customers are and why they want what you're offering. In this episode of Business of Weather, we talk to serial weather entrepreneur Dr Jan Dutton about his own experiences of setting up a business. Welcome to Business of Weather, Jan. Hello, Ian. Right, now, can you tell me how you got into the weather business in the first place? Sure. So my father... Uh, was a professor of meteorology at Penn State University. And I think somehow through osmosis, I ended up getting involved in or interested in meteorology and and climate science. Uh, And so when I was in graduate school completing a master's degree, I contemplated pursuing a PhD or pursuing an MBA. Uh, And I learned where I was at Penn State. Uh, They had a program that I could pursue both. Uh, So I ended up pursuing a PhD MBA program in meteorology and at the end, uh, the natural step for me was to uh, progress into the business community rather than the academic community. Um, so that, that's how it started. Right. Now, tell me about your current venture, Prescient Weather. How did that business come about and what sets it apart from other enterprises in the weather sector? Sure. So Prescient Weather was actually founded in 2009, uh, and uh, the three founders and I were at a New York City-based weather risk startups called Storm Exchange. And that company expired, and the three people I work with today uh, founded Prescient Weather uh, while I went off to work with a different weather company. Uh, And after uh, after six or seven years at that company, uh, I decided it was time to join Prescient Weather, and Pressing Weather had been doing quite a bit of work in uh, primarily climate-related research and commercialization of, of opportunities, um, and uh, and it just, they needed help uh, 
basically focusing on sales and marketing. Uh, so I went ahead and, and joined, joined them. So I think what sets Prescient Weather apart from other enterprises in the weather sector, one is that we are focused exclusively or almost exclusively on climate related applications. So climate science rather than, than weather science. Uh, and the other then is that we are working to try to quantify the impact that weather or climate will have on, on an organization rather than just provide the, 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 the weather information or the climate information. Uh, we are trying to bring the best science available into our, our applications uh, as a means of differentiating them. Now, tell me about Prescient Weather's main products, World Climate Service and Crop Profit, and the customers they are aimed at. Sure. So I'll start with Crop Profit. Uh, so Crop Profit is a corn, soybean, and winter wheat yield and production forecasting system. So I mentioned that we're trying to create climate-focused applications so it turns out the year-to-year -year variability in corn and soybean yield or production is really due to weather conditions that occur during the 160-day growing season. Uh, and so for that product, today we're focused on forecasting yield and production for the United States, uh, but we're working towards doing international yield and production forecasting as well. Those, uh, the crop profit is targeted really towards any organization that is trading corn or soybean futures or has a price risk uh, associated with the price of the input products for corn and soybean. The World Climate Service is a, a web-based tool set designed to enable better long-range forecasting. Uh, and it's, I will say today, it's used pretty extensively in the energy trading industry. So meteorologists that sit on uh, power trading or natural gas trading desks or even uh, commodity trading desks are using the World Climate Service to improve their long-range forecast and the communication of risk. So what we've done there is we've taken uh, dynamical ensemble forecasts. Uh, we have calibrated them to try to improve the estimation of risk. And then we add in analog forecasting tools, uh, statistical forecasting tools. Uh, and then there's also a pretty extensive uh, climate index analysis ca capability there that are, as I said, they're really all designed to help meteorologists uh, improve their long-range forecasting process. Okay, now, Prescient Weather was recently awarded a Small Business Innovation Research Grant by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to study the optimization of forecasts in the sub-seasonal to seasonal time frame. Can you tell me about this and which weather-affected enterprises your work will be of value to? Sure, so the Small Business Innovation Research Grant process, so SBIRs, is a process within the government in, uh, in which it's the US government's attempt to support uh, small business and innovation st stimulation. So uh, the grant that we received, um, it basically helps, helps us do some research uh, with the goal towards commercializing the results once it's complete. Um, in this case, uh, we are focusing on, as, as you said, the optimization of forecasts in the seasonal to, to sub-seasonal timeframe. So first off, the, the sub-seasonal timeframe is in this range, uh, forecast range that are longer than the traditional, say, 7, 10, or 14-day weather forecast, uh, but shorter than, say, uh, a one-year climate forecast. So it's really in our focus and in our customers' focus, it's in the uh, three to four week time frame is really uh, the key area for sub-seasonal forecasts. And then seasonal forecasts 
my definition is a little bit different uh, than what most what you'll see in the academic literature. But so seasonal forecast is monthly to uh, to season, so three month average per periods as well. The core of the capabilities that are being developed by the weather enterprise today are based on using the ensemble dynamical models. So the dynamical models is essentially the same capability that is used for weather forecasting, but rather than run the model to 10 or 14 days out, uh, the models tend to get run much longer. So the ECMWF will run their model out to 46 days and the NOAA's climate forecast system can run out to 180 days. And so uh, the optimization idea and concept is really two things, which is um, at what point in adding models to a multi-model ensemble, do you uh, get a diminishing return on the increase in accuracy? Meaning if you add, if you have a two model ensemble and you add a third model, are you gonna increase your skill? If you have a 15 model ensemble and you add the 16th model, are you going to increase your, your skill? And so we think it's important to understand this because you, in the operation, say, of a business, uh, you certainly want to uh, minimize the cost necessary to provide the product. And our expectation is that using many, many models is, is more expensive than trying to optimize the, the number of models. The other element is that uh, dynamical models are one source of subseasonal forecasts. There are other methods, such as analog forecasting and statistical forecasting. And part of the optimization that we're going to be researching is how to integrate and leverage uh, the best of all three types uh, into a subseasonal and seasonal forecast. So in terms of the weather enterprises that this is going to affect, uh, basically any type of company that is affected by weather, uh, whether it be positively or negatively, uh, can benefit from subseasonal and seasonal forecasts. So what we're seeing is that many companies are used to using medium range weather forecasts from say eight to 14 days. And they're starting to look beyond that time frame to try to gain a competitive advantage. And we're trying to position our, uh, the results of our, our research in subseasonal forecasts as, as being a viable solution to help companies um, address those, those longer range risks and those longer range forecasts. Thanks for that. Just to follow up on a point there, do you, can you say anything about the uh, the NOAA Small Business Innovation Research Grants? Are they difficult to get hold of? Uh, there is a competitive process uh, for, for the proposals. And so uh, the U.S., well, NOAA and the U.S. government release, um, you know, they, they announce the availability of the SBIR grants. Uh, and you do, it, it as I mentioned, it is a competitive process. NOAA actually does it across the full scope of the of the NOAA um, the NOAA responsibility, meaning atmospheres and oceans. Um, so certainly, I would say it's not easy to get them. Uh, but if you can come up with good ideas that align with the goals that NOAA is trying to achieve, uh, it's certainly possible to secure SBIR funding. You're listening to Business of Weather, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum. Okay, now let's turn to would-be business startups. A good idea, a realistic business plan, and the right management team are the minimum critical ingredients of any attempt by a startup business to raise funds. Starting with the good idea, what do you think it is that sets a good idea alone, apart from a good idea, 
that can form the basis of a successful business? Sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the difference between a good idea and a good idea that forms the basis of a successful business is that the uh, founders of a company either need to have or they need to quickly develop sort of the full range of skills necessary to be to be successful. Um, so, for instance, years ago in, in the weather industry, um, a lot of companies competed purely on um, on the accuracy of their forecasts. Uh, and the thought was that accuracy was going to win. Um, but I think in today's environment, there's uh, many more uh, there's many more factors that um, that are required to really be, be successful. So I'm talking, you know, obviously science and the ability to process data and and do it on a reliable basis is really important. But the other elements, you know, of a business like marketing, sales, uh, customer management um, are, are equally important. And having those skill sets are really required for, for success. Right. Now, what are your own thoughts on funding a new weather business in particular? What for you are the pros and cons of the different types of funding, including equity investment, loans, grants, money from friends and family and trade buyouts? Sure. So I guess the fundamental decision to be made um, is really, do you want to take on outside capital in the form of selling equity or taking on debt? Or do you want to maintain uh, in effect, total control. You know, do the owners of the company want to maintain total control by either funding the company themselves, or, or at least in the U.S., the, the term is called bootstrapping a company, uh, in which um, you try to start in a very minimum cost basis and then grow the business through winning revenue based on the products you you create um, in that environment. So I think the the you know the fundamental decision is to what degree. Uh, do you want to maintain control of the overall business? So you can certainly try to uh, raise capital through selling equity portions to friends and family, uh, to angel investors, and then eventually on to venture investors. Uh, the further you go up the chain there, uh, the, the potential for having less control certainly exists. Um, and I, then I think you know debt is possible as well, uh, but in the end, uh, for small companies, uh, debt tends to be fairly expensive and sometimes impossible to, to secure uh, just because of the perceived risk of working with um, a small startup-oriented company. What about grants? You've got your own experience of grants. Yeah, well, so um, the SBIR process, I think, is pretty fantastic uh, in part because um, we receive grant funding uh, in return for the promise of conducting sort of leading as edge research and then and then commercial uh, commercializing it, um, and so I have grants I think is is a great way to go uh, if you can position yourself to to win such a grant. Right now, turning to the management team, what blend of skills does a startup for business need, especially one working in the weather and climate sector? And how important is it to tap into existing experience, either of running a business or of the weather sector? Yeah. So in terms of looking at the management team, uh, certainly since we're talking about a data intensive um, uh, data intensive in industry in the weather or, or the climate industry, uh, some aspect of the management team needs to have familiarity with what today would be called a, a, a data scientist. Um, so 
you know, processing data, analyzing it, uh, being able to turn it into information that ends up being valuable for customers is going to be a, a critical skill. At the same time, uh, some of the business-oriented uh, skills are going to be required as well, uh, and in particular, uh, marketing and sales, uh, as well as potentially strategy, so that um, you can segment markets, reach customers, uh, and close sales is really going to be the, the two most important elements. Um, and then, and then beyond that, um, I would say in our own experience, we're finding that quite a bit. Uh, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, some skill sets are, let's say, easily easily outsourced, uh, and and are not necessarily required at the at the startup phase w within a business. Um, and then certainly, as the business grows, it's possible to uh, to pull in additional skill sets. Um, so, like one as an example uh, is. Um, I'm finding the gig economy is very useful for uh, doing things like graphic graphic design and um, and other elements like that that it would be impossible for us to sustain someone you know even half time uh, doing graphic design. But when I need some done, uh, there's this whole community um, and infrastructure in place that allows me to find uh, a graphic designer that can do the work for what turns out to be a very reasonable uh, expense. Now, based on your own experience, what are the key lessons you would pass on to anyone contemplating setting up a weather business? Sure. So when I was uh, when I was in graduate school, uh, I actually had I had a marketing pr professor who, uh, when I told him I was going to leave school and, and start a com company, advised me to take some of the uh, well. I'll say advised me to take what was a major chunk of the limited startup funding that I had secured. Uh, to do a tour and visit potential customers and find out what they actually wanted. Um, at that time, uh, I made the mistake of not taking his, his advice. Uh, and um, fast forward to today, uh, one of the things that I frequently say is that it's really difficult and really stupid for meteorologists and business people to sit around the table and come up with ideas that you think your, your customers would like. And the better piece of advice the better action is to actually go talk to customers and find out what they want. Um, and so those those two anecdotes are are the same thing, right? So it's don't sit around the table and think about what customers might want. Go talk to customers and figure out what they actually want and then build towards that. Um, and that's really been one of the key lessons that, that I've learned in the 20 years that I've been in the industry. So it's the old adage, know your customer. Absolutely. Right. Now, is there a good source of information where you would refer budding weather business entrepreneurs to get further information? Yeah, I don't really have, uh, I'll be honest, I don't have a good answer for, for that one in terms of, I don't know of any source of information that is sort of focused on the business of weather, other than this podcast, of course, uh, that someone might um, someone might re refer to. I think the, the key in today's world is somehow pick up some business experience or business training and merge that with a with a meteorological or a climate expertise and, and move forward to try to execute on, on a business plan. Right. Now, let's take out our binoculars. What new opportunities do you see for budding entrepreneurs and business startups when it comes to assisting weather-affected public and private enterprises to meet the challenges of extreme weather and climate change? Where do you think the new growth areas will be? 
So uh, this is a great question. And my answer is not necessarily limited to the uh, weather or climate enterprise. My experience in the last couple of years is there is so much data available and there's new data sets becoming available all the time uh, that there's literally an endless set of, of opportunities, uh, which is to say, if you can align new emerging data sets with an analytic capability that solves specific customer problems, you have an opportunity to, to, per, to pursue. Um, and I, I, I think there is more data becoming available or more data available and becoming available than we'll ever be able to, to process and, and create more value from. And so the weather and climate industry is fundamentally uh, an industry in which we take um, basic data sets add value to it by transforming it into um, into variables and information that matters to the customers and then allowing those customers to make decisions that add value to them or, or manage risk to, to their operations. And that given the new data sets becoming available and given existing bit data sets, uh, there's an endless set of opportunities to be able to, to do that. Um, so I'm confident it's going to be focused on you know, finding new and emerging data sets that you can create a niche from and then grow the niche into a, into a substantial business. Finally, how can listeners find out more about Prescient Weather? Well, Prescient Weather, uh, we are present uh, on the web at www.prescientweather.com. And then our products have their own websites as well. So the World Climate Service is, interestingly enough, worldclimateservice.com. And you can find us on Twitter as well at World Climate Service. Uh, and then Crop Profit is cropprofit.com, and profit is P-R-O-P-H-E-T, so cropprofit.com. And we also have a Twitter handle there, which is at cropprofit. Well, that concludes today's interview. Dr. Jan Dutton, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. I enjoyed it. You're listening to Business of Weather, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum. Asia's largest event dedicated to addressing extreme weather and climate change, flooding, and poor air quality.